think as a whole, um, we've done an okay job. I think I think everybody in that locker room understands that. Um, I think there's a lot of room for improvement, but at the end of the day, you know, we're still we're still in an okay position. Um, you now we're we're still within striking distance, obviously, of, of a lot of things. And you know, we got 81 to go. Um, a lot can happen. I don't I don't think this team has played its best baseball yet, which is a good sign. It was George Springer after last night's 6-1 win over the San Francisco Giants. Jeff Blair and Kevin Barker, hence the name of the show is Blair and Barker. Game three of the three-game series against the Giants goes tonight. The rubber match, the Jays lineup is in. It is Springer, Bichette, Belt, Guerrero, Chapman, Varsho, Merrifield, Kirk. Who? Merrifield, Kirk, Who? Espinel. Kirk? He is back. What? That's yours. The captain is back. And do you know why that is important, Mr. Barker? Do you want me to tell you why that is important? Other than the fact that Danny Jansen might need a day off. Do you want me to tell you why it's important? I'll tell you why it's important. With Alejandro Kirk behind the plate, Chris Bassett has a 1.75 ERA, 12 earned runs in 61 and two-thirds innings. Hmm. His ERA with other dudes behind the plate is 9.28. You know that means nothing. Well, oh, oh, well, okay. Absolutely right. nothing. It means nothing, okay. Well, you know why it means nothing? It doesn't mean nothing. Because Chris Bassett called his own game. What's that got to do with the catcher? That's he's, my he's next. Gonna, he's going to go back there and tell him. To that's move, my. Move in. Okay. That's my. breaking ball. Well. Like, it means nothing. Well, if you would let me finish. <laughs> my next point was. Hope it's better than the first one. My next point was we are led to believe. Chris Bassett will not be calling his game tonight. Oh, it's a fact. That um, Alejandro Kirk will be calling the game tonight. Now, Chris Bassett made that change after the first inning of his last start, which wasn't very good, um, and uh, turned the signal-calling duties. Boy, it sounds like a quarterback. Turned the signal-calling duties over to to Danny Jansen. And and, uh, it seemed to go a little better. Um, is that something you're going to be watching tonight? The Absolutely. back and forth between the catcher and the pitcher? Why? It shouldn't be that way. Why would it be that way? Sometimes when dudes are overthinking it, you take the thinking out of it. You, you throw it all on the catcher. You game plan with the catcher. You tell Chris Bassett, because he's had a real tough time against lefties. We'll dig into that a little bit later. A Dan Schulman t- joins us at 510. We'll dig into it with Danny. There you go. A little, t- a little tough time with lefties, right? The cutter up and in to lefties been tough. The four-seamer up and away to lefties been tough. The front hips two-seamer to lefties been tough. The unpredictable nature of all the slow-breaking stuff that he has been tough. A lot of that, they think, is because he's more thinking about what button to push than to think my foot's landing here, I'm landing closed, I'm really thinking about that catcher's mitt, and that's all I'm thinking about. So they're going to try and simplify it for him. Good for them. I so you'd rather you'd rather have him. You'd rather have You'd rather have him think about mechanics. Absolutely. Than well, the pitch he's when throwing. he's not getting people out, and it's right down the middle. His stuff's not good enough. Throw it down the middle. Jeff. Don't a lot of pitch, don't enough. a lot of pitchers say the key to success is quote not being worried about my mechanics. Just going unless, out there and pitching? Unless you are uh, lefties. Let me see. That's great you brought that up. I didn't. Well, you did. I didn't bring up the whole the lefty. La- the, la- the last seven starts, lefties are hitting 346 with an OPS of almost 1,200. And that's mechanical. Hard hit percentage, if you're into that, is almost 59%. And that's mechanical. He's getting lit. When you throw nine pitches that have to be located – at different speeds, 
Just by reading those three numbers that I just read to you, we'll tell you that the location is not very good. The cutter up and in to lefties, which he has to have mm-hmm. to get them opening up a little bit to free it up so when he does throw the plethora of slow stuff, maybe occasionally he'll flip one down the middle. He can get away with it because he's established the cutter up and in. He's thrown the fastball up and away, which is a big pitch for him to the lefty. Like you have to do that sort of, you can draw that line of quadrants, right? There's three at the top of the strike zone to a lefty. He has to establish the one in and the one away to make all that other stuff that he throws that much better. So yeah, whether I think it, whether you think it or not, they think that's the case. And obviously he's bought into this because he's a veteran guy and he ain't going to say yes to it unless he's believing that he needs to think more about there's the glove. Can I hit it by mechanically being sound enough to throw it at that glove? Over under on number of pitch clock violations we see tonight with Alejandro Kirk trying to figure out which of the 17 pitches he needs to call. Zero. He's been sitting over there for two weeks with Pete Walker. They've been game planning this forever. I'm going to say zero. You got to have some faith. There's some pretty smart people behind the scenes getting this done. Hmm? Jay's win last night left them with a 44-37 and 37 record after 81 games, the halfway point of the 2023 season. Uh, they are 10.5 back of first place, soon to be 11, as uh, Tampa Bay is about to beat uh, Arizona here and go up a half game. Hmm. Um, last year, strangely enough, the Jays were 44-37. and 37. They were 14.5 games back last year, so... They were in a worse position last year, even though they're in third place and they're in fourth place this year. They're in a worse position because they were 14 and a half and games back. And the Orioles back. are better. And the Orioles, well, yeah. but I'm That's but, why, too. But but what I'm, no, I'm saying last year, I think they you could make the case, well, 14 and a half back, you're in a worse position than you are 10, sure. 10, 10 and a half games back. They went 48 and 33 the rest of the year, finished 92 and 70. We're in second place, seven games back, and then, of course, went on to uh, lose to the Seattle Mariners. And the question we'll ask uh, Dan Schulman when he joins us in a few minutes. Uh, question I'll ask you, now that we're, we've cleared the halfway mark, can this team, like 92 wins, what's that going to get you? Not in the playoffs. So because we're looking the at this. the Astros and the Angels, Angels are going to fight for that spot. To be, to be in safely. they more than those. To be in safely, you're probably looking at going 50 and 31. 95 wins. I've been telling you this. Or 94 wins. 50 and 31. Can this team go... Can this team play 19 games over 500 the rest of the way? I'll, I'll, I'll ask you. Can it? I think can it. I'm ask, not asking Will. I'm saying can it. I'll ask you a question. Another one. Right back at you. Oh. Do you think that Dalton Varsho and Matt Chapman, who, who are hitting back-to-back in the lineup tonight, hit better with <clears throat> runners in scoring position for the rest of the season? I think Dalton Varsho, I, I'm not, I had the exact number yesterday, and they're depressing. So I'm going to say uh, – Dalton Varsho's hitting somewhere around the 165 range with runners in scoring position. Matt Chapman's hitting somewhere right at 200. Say they say, dude, is I it would, getting better? I would feel a lot better if there was a hitter added to the team that would. It's a big ask. Yeah, it is. It is. It is. So do I think they can go with 51 wins with this lineup? 50 wins with this lineup. With those two guys getting better. Is the question with runners? So do I? I'm stop. Stop asking about. Yeah. Do I think Those they'll get? Guys. Do I think they'll get better? Yeah. 
I don't know. Then the answer to your question is no. I don't know. 50 wins a lot. That's a lot of wins. Like, you got to do things right. Oh, yeah. You, you can't have a lot of four-game losing streaks, five-game losing streaks. You do. It's sort of over. You Just because the Astros are going to – the Astros are the Astros division they play in. They, we may – Winning pedigree kind of thing. I, I, Yeah, I may have gone a little in too much in the Astros. I've got a sneaking suspicion they, this this may be the year that it all catches up to the Astros. I mean, still, they're, they're going to make the playoffs. Uh, okay? I mean, it might catch up to them, and they I, may not have 110 wins. Yeah, I'm not. But I think they're a, me. This is me. You can yeah. have your own opinion. I think they're a playoff team. I think I think the Angels, healthy, and Trout. I mean, you could throw him in there. Has had a rough start to the season. It has been. Rough. And if he could turn it around, I can't believe I'm saying that. He turns it around and adds to what they're doing now. They're going to be tough too. So there's some questions here, right? With the Blue Jays and and consistently, you think so far, if healthy. The rotation and what they have in the pen, they'll piece it together. They got enough smart guys to do that. They'll figure it out. So for me, it's up to those two guys, runners to scoring position. Dan Shulman is the voice of the Blue Jays. He joins us on Blair and Barker. Dan, thanks so much for joining us today. I'll, I'll ask you a very simple question to uh, to, to open things. Um, simple. Simple. <laughs> is this team, do you think, capable of rattling off 49-50 wins the rest of the way in the second half of this season? Uh, which you know theoretically would leave them in pretty good shape as as far as a, a a playoff spot is concerned. Yeah, that would leave them in in great shape. Capable, yes. Likely, uh, I don't know. I I am in the camp that I think you know more has gone wrong than right, or there's more you know there's more upside than downside, that mm-hmm. sort of thing. But but not not in a crazy way. They're going to have to go out and do it. And, and I just heard the last kind of 20 seconds or so of what Kevin was saying, um, so I, I didn't catch all of it. But, you, you know, as is always the case, there are some ifs. Like, and, and you know, does Vladdy turn it on in the second half? Does Varsho get hot? Do Ryu and Green come back and become significant contributors? Uh, do they go and get something at the deadline that, that really helps them? You know, these are all unknowns right now. So, um Forty-nine fifty is a big number, I and, and but they might need forty-eight, forty-nine to make mm-hmm. the playoffs. You know, you know, it, it's it's interesting because with them and the Yankees and the Angels and the Astros, they're all within like a game of each other right now. And as it stands right now, only two of them can make the playoffs. And I don't know much, but I think I know this: if the Angels are close at the deadline and it's Otani's walk year. I think they're all in. I, yeah. I think they're going to do whatever they can to try to make the playoffs and show him, see, you see what this can be here if you stay. So, uh, you know, everybody knows the Yankees will make moves. I wouldn't sleep on the Angels making moves. So the Blue Jays are going to have to be right in there. Dan, whenever I played, the, the hitting coach before every time I'd go to it and at bat would ask me what my approach was going to be, and I would have to tell him. Every time we've talked to somebody that's around this team, John Snyder, I asked Ross Atkins yesterday on when he was on our show about why do we continue to hear almost July 1st about the ad, the the approaches for 1 through 9 have to be this. Mm-hmm. That confuses me. Dan, I just I don't understand what the names that are on the back of the jerseys why why we continue to hear that that word approach. Uh, I mean, you tell me, if the approach is not what a guy is comfortable doing, does he fall back into his own prior habits? Like, is it so, you know what I mean? Is it yeah. so hard to, is, to keep that approach? And uh, But you're right. The approach at the beginning of the year, you guys tell me you were both down in the spring. You guys tell me it was get a good pitch to hit, use the whole field. Those were the two things I remember hearing a lot. Yeah. You know, don't chase. 
Uh, it Don't get pull happy. The pull thing is really, really, really interesting because the easiest way to hit a home run is to pull the ball. Mm-hmm. But sometimes I think the easiest way to get into bad habits is to try to pull the ball yeah. all the time, right? So mm-hmm. um, it, it's a fine line. I mean, Vladdy can hit rocket after rocket after rocket to right, center, and center, and he'll put up some really good numbers, but not as many of them might go out of the ballpark. And maybe that gets in his head, and now he's thinking, oh, boy, um, i, I got to hit some home runs. So they are, I looked it up today. They're 17th in the majors in home runs. I don't know if some of that is the ballpark. We all know the ballpark has not played like we thought it would play. But, um, you know, back to your point, Kevin, it, it's – it's a good point. I mean, I remember in April when they had three or five, three or four guys going great, but the approaches were really good. Mm-hmm. And you said, boy, they're really close. Once this clicks, look out. Yeah. And by the time it clicked, a couple other guys unclicked, and the approach has changed. Um, the other thing I'll say, too, is I think sometimes when we, and we, I mean all of us, uh, media fans, everybody, when we watch a team every single day, yeah. we see the warts mm-hmm. more than we, right? Absolutely. And, and if you walked, if you took a microphone, like in the old days, Jeff, if you took a tape recorder and a microphone and you were the man on the street on Young Street and you said to, you, you surveyed 100 Blue Jay fans, where do you think they rank in strikeout rate? Hitters. I bet you most people would say top, as in the most, you know, bad. Right. Top third, top half, top quarter. They've struck out the fourth fewest time, or the four. Their strikeout rate is the fourth lowest in Major League Baseball. The yeah. fourth lowest, and it's one of those things where sometimes I think the eye test and the numbers are a little bit different. But sorry for this long, long, long answer. But I, but I'm with answer. you, Kevin. I I think it's got to start. It's got to start. And, and and again, they don't chase all that much. Too, they're chasing more than they were at the beginning of the year. But I think they're good enough that if it, it starts with getting a good pitch to hit and maybe that's captain obvious maybe that's what it always starts with for every hitter at every level but you get a good pitch to hit and i think they're good enough to do a lot of damage yeah dan uh we know that vladdy jr is going to the all-star game i'm sorry he's going to the home run derby we'll find out if he's going to the all-star game as a starter tonight when uh the starters are unveiled on the mlb network conveniently at seven o'clock right after we're off the air um all that aside, Vladdy's going to the home run derby. John Schneider is uh, apparently going to be throwing to him in batting pra- uh, during the derby. Now, look, everybody. I mean, there's always a debate about the home run derby. Do you, you know, do you go and have fun? Do you go if you have a bad time? Does it put you in a funk? Can you get hurt, etc., cetera, etc.? Cetera. I kind of go back and forth on this, but I got to tell you, based on Vladdy's first half. I'm just kind of happy he's going to go because he 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 seemed to have a great deal of fun the last time he was there when he hit what yes. ninety home ninety one home 91 runs or home runs yeah and, and didn't win and, and yeah. didn't win <laughs> I think I think Danny this might be the best thing for him yeah it, it might be a little bit of like div, uh, double reverse psychology I'm yep. with you like maybe it's the tonic that he needs given the kind of um, first half that he's had uh, you know I was in the office and John Schneider was being asked about it and he said listen Vladdy's done it before and everybody is comfortable with him doing it. And I think this is, I'm not sure if the phrase I'm looking for, Blake Murphy's here and he's smarter than me. I think the phrase mm-hmm. is confirmation bias. When you think something is going to happen or you, when you think a certain thing, you notice when that thing happens. When you don't think a certain thing, you don't notice when it doesn't happen, like the shift. Like the shift goes on and a ball goes through in the old days. And a ball goes through the other side and you go, see, I told you the shift doesn't work. But you never notice the ones where the shift does work. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So I think people notice if a guy 
has a big drop-off in the second half of the year, they say, see, it's the home run derby. But I bet you there are just as many guys who do as well or better than they did in the first half of the year, and nobody notices that as much. So I'm with you. I don't I, – I mean, not that anybody cares what you or I think. I don't have an ounce of concern about it. Maybe it's the kind of thing to relax them and turn them loose, and, and, and who knows what could happen. So uh, uh, I, I know this. John Schneider will be icing his arm after the end of the, of the night. That's for sure. <laughs> that's awesome. Uh, uh, Chris Bass is not calling his own game anymore. That's a good yeah. idea or no? Uh, if Chris Bassett thinks it's a good idea, it's a good idea. So good I, asked Schneider, uh, I asked Schneider this question. I asked him a two-part question. Uh, I said, is he eliminating some pitches? Because he's got eight of them. Mm. Like, what if Kirk doesn't get there in time? Is he eliminating some pitches? The answer is no. He is not eliminating any pitches. But here's the safety net. If Kirk doesn't get to the pitch Bassett wants, say on the first two tries, you're going to see Bassett reach down and push a button. So that's the that's the backup plan. And coincidentally, Jose Barrios and I had that very same conversation in spring training. Because it, remember in spring training, it was just guys were just experimenting with it. We didn't even know if it was going to be allowed for pitchers mm-hmm. to to do it in the regular season. And Barrios talked about it. He said, "Here's what I'd like to see. Fine, let the catchers do it, but if he can't get to it in two pitches, I want to call the pitch. Um, I don't want to wait too long and also you've got the pitch clock." So I wouldn't be surprised if we see Chris Bassett go to his belt ten times tonight because he's got so many pitches. And Schneider felt that Bassett actually might have narrowed his pitch usage a little bit too much recently. They want him to use the the proverbial kitchen sink tonight. So it's up to Kirk to try to get there quickly, and it's up to Bassett uh, if Kirk doesn't get there to hit the right button with about three seconds left on the clock. <laughs> he he has he, he's had a lot of success this year with Alejandro Kirk behind the plate. Yes. Is that just fluke? Um, I think it is. I've never been a big catcher's ERA guy. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and, you know, look at it the other way. Kirk had a ton of success with Alec Manoa the last two years. Yep. Didn't have any didn't have any success with him this year. It's not, you know, it wasn't Kirk's fault, right? So um, I don't put a lot of stock in that. Uh, to be honest with you, maybe it's a little bit comforting for Bassett, but I, you know, Bassett's been around the block many, many times. So um, I don't think it really would have mattered who's behind there tonight. But I, I do think I would have loved to have been a fly on the wall for the pregame meeting because now they're trying something new. Now it's hey, it's a guy with seven or eight pitches, and he's not calling his game. And there needs to be like you can't have any violations tonight. You know, you can't have any right. confusion tonight, right? And, and so there needs to be. Here's what we're going to do if. If this doesn't happen, you know, where again, what's the safety net? Where's the parachute? They they need to they need to make sure they have a plan so that everything goes as smoothly as possible out there. Danny, really good of you to yeah. do this, my friend. Thanks so much. Great stuff. Thank my you. My pleasure, guys. See you soon. Absolutely. Dan Shulman. The voice of the Blue Jays on uh Sportsnet. He'll have the call tonight. 707 first pitch. Mm. Keaton Wynn making his debut for the Giants. Chris Bassett on the mound for the Blue Jays. So Now we're in a situation where he isn't calling his pitches, but he is going to call his pitches if Kirk doesn't get there. Yeah, it's a little needy. It's a little needy. I got to get back to that. Are you going to say now, Jeff, you're right? No, absolutely not. This is is, – they they are having an issue of getting left-handed hitters out. He thinks, the pitching coach thinks, the manager thinks that it would have something to do with lack of attention on – the target. If they all three think that, why not try it? 
I guess. Like that, that's the thing here is, and that little security blanket of. It's a little kind of midstream for me. He can reach down. Well, you're, you're begging. You want him to just keep running out doing the same thing, getting beat all over the place? No. I want him to do what he was doing early in the year well, when he it's wasn't. A, it's, a, it's ebbs and flows here. But yeah, every once in a while, you're going to run into some bad stuff. And the stuff yeah, ain't working. Fine. So well, you change it up. I, it is. That just seems to me I'm not a big fan of complicating things. It seems to me you've complicated this. Now, maybe so, they've so basically what this. you're saying. Maybe they've simplified so this. So basically what you're saying now is if you're Chris Bassett, you got to focus on your mechanics and hitting the target. It's not so much Unless mechanics. Alejandro Kirk doesn't call the if pitch right, and then you got then you, you got to focus on the belt. If you remember correctly – which I'm sure you don't because you're in one of them moods today and you, you want to disagree I'm with me. And, I, and that's the only reason we're having this conversation. You didn't if get you, the right donut, but I'm in a fine If you remember correctly, well, pay me more. If you remember correctly, he said if that catcher sets up right and that ball goes to a certain area because I'm paying attention, I will know how to self-correct it. Okay. Well, it's real hard to do that when you got nine pitches and you're trying to call your own game and read bats, which is a big deal for him. He does that a lot. I did find it interesting that one of the things Danny said was that John Schneider thought that perhaps uh, calling pitches had resulted in Chris Bassett narrowing his pitch usage. Now, we've been following, you know, we follow baseball's event when he pitches seems to me like he's throwing eight pitches a game. I guess maybe what they're talking about is narrowing it in certain situations, right? In other words, um, not throwing the kitchen sink when you all the time. Maybe that's what they're yeah, talking I think about. You, I think you read between the lines sometimes. When the cutter ain't working or the fastball location's not working or the front hip two-seamer's not working. Go to door number three. Now what do I do? Yeah. Or five or six or seven or six. eight doors. Yeah. Like there's a lot of doors. So he's sort of trying to work around what's not working. And sometimes that's real hard. He ain't going to stuff you to death. He's going to trick you after he establishes the fastballs in locations. So he needs to do that. And right now they feel like he can do that a little bit better, more worried about where the target's at. Uh, We're going to talk a little more about Vladdy and the home run derby. Uh, We'll do that in the 6 o'clock hour. Bill Shaken, national baseball writer with the LA Times, is going to join us. We're going to talk about Shohei Otani and uh, the Los Angeles Angels. And, uh, yeah, I may have slept in them as a playoff team. They they might be uh, – and I think Danny's right. If they are within sniffing distance, distance of the playoff spot – they're all in. They're all in. They are all in. I mean, you, you got – you got you, 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 They're all in. Either, either you are – if you don't – if you have a chance to go to the playoffs – with the last year of having a combination of Mike Trout and Shohei Otani, yeah. and you don't go for it, you're guilty of a crime against the See, game. I think they want you to should keep be him. I think up. they want to keep him. The only way they're going to keep him is to tell him Absolutely. that we're all in from now on. I agree. But beside that, beside that, beside that, if you got a chance to go with those two dudes together, you owe it. I think you owe it to them. I think you owe it to baseball, frankly, to go out and do what you can. He's the greatest player you've ever seen in person. Otani? Yep. Player, not hitter, not pitcher. I player. Yeah, it's weird because I'll tell you this: he's not the best pitcher I've seen in person. He's certainly not the best hitter I've seen in person. But yeah, he's I've never boat. seen anybody else pitch to do it in the same game. No, you know, and the the thing that Ten really strikeouts and two homers. Who well, does that? And the thing that drove it home to me, <clears throat> I thought about this. His last start, he 
He has to come out of the game as a pitcher because of the fingernail. Yeah. But he can stay in the game and hit a home run. Yeah. Like, think take. about that. Think about Shohei Otani awesome. in the World Series starting game seven. I mean, not even Kevin Cash could screw that. You could take him out of the out of the he game could, for pitching a perfect too, like game. He did in the WBC. And you could still have him in the lineup. Or he could close. Yeah, yeah. Just think about it's it. It's crazy. It's crazy. I tell you what. If, I think he's coming I saw, back. I saw a couple of people, a couple of national writers throw out 650000 uh, six hundred and fifty million to seven hundred million dollars as a contract for Shohei Otani. I'd give that dude. I would easily. I would easily give him six to seven fifty. You got to think about. Dude wants six hundred million dollars yeah. to come and play for my team. I would do that in a heartbeat. I don't. He. You'd have to know what he. What I don't they know make if off Kevin, of him off the field. I don't know if there's an athlete like him in the world. There's right now. There. I. I, I just. I, I don't easy know. Easy answer. There's not. I, I. I don't know if there is. I'm not sure you'd have to pay him that. With what he makes off the field, I'm not that, sure. That, that, I just no, sweet, you, you, sweeten no. the pot enough that if he makes let more me, than than any players ever make, I think that. Yeah, be enough. L- let me tell you something. There's there's is. going to be there's going to be a lot of pressure from the players' association on him and his agent to get as much as they can. Because, again, that drives everybody up. And I know what you're saying. Well, Man. it shouldn't drive everybody up because there is no other Shohei Otani. There's not. Not yet. And that's I, the I, way they that's the way they view these things. Oh, he will, he'll, yeah, 600 in a heartbeat. He's I mean, gonna in go, the history of baseball, he's been the only one. He's going to go, he's going to go for big money. I mean, he'll, he'll go for the, he'll go for the biggest money out there. And someone will pay him 600 million. I would. It's a lot. I mean, I pay him. That's a lot. I'd rather be paying. Like sooner than later, he's not going to be able to do both. You're yeah. paying him for both. Yeah. How long's that? Well, you can tell he ain't going to do both. And, and this That's is where what you have to. This know is what Joe. If you're going to drop this is what fifty. When on we him. talked to Joe Madden about this, Joe Madden made the point that this contract it's going to be interesting. You're basically going to have to have two contracts in one. One, actually three. One for Shohei five years down the road where he's doing both. One for Shohei five years down the road where he can't pitch. One for Shohei five years down the How road. How would you where, do that? Well, you're going to have, I, I mean, that's, we're, that's above our pay, pay grade and above our, our level of intellect, honestly. But it, it's going to be a hell of a contract. Um, but yeah, I would. It's crazy. Hey, he's, he, he's the best. He's the best baseball player I've seen. And, I mean, I'm thinking of athletes I've seen. It's hard to compare sports. Uh, yeah, I, I mean, in, in terms of dudes who are freakishly good at what they do, I think Usain Bolt, who when he was running, was just freakishly good at what he did. Mm. I mean, there aren't a lot. You know, Connor McDavid's a great hockey player. Freakishly good? I don't know. Could there be another Connor McDavid in the next five years? There probably will be. There be another Shohei Otani in five years? I don't know. I mean, I look at other team sports. Ronaldo, Messi, there'll be other Ronaldos and Messis. So far, there hasn't been another Usain Bolt. So I, I look at Bolt and Shohei Otani as those would be the guys I would put up there. And then you can get into tennis and guys like Roger Federer and all that, but I... Quite frankly, haven't watched enough tennis, so I wouldn't be able to have that discussion. Um, but yeah, it's uh, it is remarkable what he's doing. And as I said, I just that really stuck with me when I saw him come out of the game with the fingernail, so he couldn't pitch, stay in the game, and you and and 
that just tells you the value of that guy. Right? Max Scherzer comes out of the game with a fingernail, and, and stuff like that happens, and it can happen in the postseason. He, he's sitting in the dugout. Yeah. Like, that just reinforced for me how special this dude is. It's crazy. It, it, is, it is remarkable. Uh, Farhan Zaidi is president of baseball operations with the San Francisco Giants. The Giants finishing their three-game series tonight against the Blue Jays. Lost on the road for the first time in June last night. Um, they, are a, they are a tough team. They are a tough team to play against. Uh, they're a team, as, as we said, that struck out in some, with some pretty big names in the offseason. And, well, there they are. They're uh, in second place in the National League West. Farhan Zaidi joins us next. It's Blair and Barker on Sportsnet 590. The fans, Sportsnet 360 and Sportsnet. The most opinionated Maple Leaf show out there. Real Kipper and Born. Be sure to subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Seven oh seven will be the first pitch tonight at the Rogers Center. Looks like the roof is open, based on our. Uh, oh yeah, <laughs> it is. Boy, I'm sorry, I've got the boy. You're good. And uh, I've got the, the monitor shadows. right. I've got the monitor right in front of me. I know. There's and there's shadow. So yeah, the roof is open. The only reason I was saying that because I didn't know what the air quality was like. Um, yeah, the roof is open. Bad air quality in this room. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there is. Uh, 707 first pitch, the third and final game of this three-game series between the San Francisco Giants and the Toronto Blue Jays. The Jays uh, winning last night 6-1. to Of course, the Giants uh, winning the first game of the series 3-0, three, 3-0. Three nil, three nothing. 3-0. Three 3-0. Nil. Three nil. I was watching soccer earlier today. 3-0. <laughs> and uh, we talked about the Giants. Boy, they, they are... Uh, they're a good team they're a really good team and i put i put my hand up and i always say this i qualify it i i don't get a chance to watch a lot of national league west baseball but watching the giants especially that three nothing game i kind of know why they are where they are right now Mm -hmm. and uh the president of baseball operations with the san francisco Mm -hmm. giants is farhan Zaidi, and uh, we're very pleased that he's very graciously agreed Absolutely. to take some time out of his day and join us in Blair and Barker. Farhan, thanks so much for joining, uh, for joining Kevin and myself. It's all it. It's always dangerous to ask a general manager or a club president, "Are you surprised where your team is?" Because that kind of suggests <laughs> that you're not. It's not that you're insulting the president or general manager, but you're kind of suggesting that you are surprised they are. So I will say this. One, I'm surprised that your team is the w- where it is right now because, like a lot of people, we heard about the players you tried to get in the offseason and the players that didn't show up. Um, so I'm going to ask you, what is it about this team that has got them to this level where they're, they're at right now? Yeah, it's good to be on with you guys, and 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 no worries. I don't I don't take offense at the question. I know <laughs> where people, you know, the prognosticators, and maybe people that don't follow our team that closely, and even people that do follow our team closely, felt about our team coming into the year. And we took some big swings in free agency, and I think those got a lot of the headlines. But you know, we looked at our team last year uh, in 2022. We obviously had a, a you know, won a lot of games in 21 and uh, 
you know, by comparison, 22 didn't go as well, but we were still a 500 team. We had a positive run differential and we just felt like we made some additions uh, that were going to help us coming into 23, even with some of those misses in free agency. And then we've had, you know, some young guys come up and, and play really well and make big contributions. Patrick Bailey, our, our catcher, being uh, the guy who's uh, really been hot lately and, and made a huge impact for us. So really a combination of, uh, you know, I think maybe our roster coming into the season was a little bit underrated. And then we've gotten some nice unexpected contributions from some young players. I, I have to ask, all the weird arm angles, the the start and stops, the submarine stuff, the crossfire action, is that on purpose? Like, do you sit around the offseason and go, yeah, I want that guy, but that guy doesn't throw sidearm or submarine or cross. <laughs> like, is that on purpose, what you're doing there? Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, I saw a, a graphic which made it look like we had every arm angle, you know, every hour on a clock dial or something <laughs> like that. So yeah. I don't know if it's quite at that level, but we do like guys that do it in different ways. I mean, the one thing I'll say is you have some organizations that have specific philosophies. They want guys who throw four seamers, who backspin it. They want sinker slider guys. And I think our approach is variety is good. So we do like the unconventional, the unfamiliar looks. And uh, we think that really plays in a bullpen. So, you know, the first game of the series, I, I don't think we could script it any better than that. And, um, you know, that that was us at our very best. So I wouldn't read too much into that. But, you know, it's a nice testament to the guys that pitched and, and our pitching group. They do a nice job mixing it up and keeping the opposition off balance. Farhan, you talked about the contributions you've been getting from younger players, a, a player like Patrick Bailey as as an example. And we've talked a little bit, Kevin in particular has talked a little bit in this show about how he thinks when we look at the Baltimore Orioles, Orioles for example, they've been able to bring young guys up and incorporate them. He thinks it's easier to do that when a team is playing well, when you know everybody's kind of got a bounce in their step. As a, a general manager or you know a club president, is that a thing? Is it easier to bring up a young player, whether he's a highly touted prospect or just a good young player, into that type of a situation compared to bringing a guy up in a situation where things aren't going all that well? Yeah, it's interesting. As I, as you were talking about that, I, w- I was thinking about teams that have uh, a, you know a, I think a little bit of an easier time breaking young players in when their stakes are pretty low in a rebuilding year or something like that. Mm-hmm. They just roll those guys out there and let them play through their struggles. So I guess what I would say is it's probably easier if you're at the extremes, if you're a rebuilding team or if your team right. on a roll where there's some margin for error, um, then I think, uh, you know, it's easier to bring a, a young guy up because you know, they're going to be ups and downs, but you know, most of the time you're in the middle, you're, you're playing games that feel like they really matter. And you feel like every at bat and every pitch and every inning matter. And that's a tougher environment to break young players in. And we talk a lot about trying to create a culture where you can get those young guys over the hump. And the Blue Jays have done a great example, uh, job of that over the last few years as well. Um, because there's just a lot of – every team has talent in their minor league system that can help the big league team. It's just a question of whether you have a culture to roll those guys in and, and, and be able to – deal with some of the highs and lows along the way. I wonder with some unexpected teams at the trade deadline, you know, like the Cardinals, like the Mets, maybe like the Padres that, you know, may have to be sellers or try and mix things up a little bit for a contender like you are right now. Is that, is that tougher or easier knowing now that we have more teams that might be on the market that you can attack to go after things that you might need? 
Yeah, we're monitoring. We're not paying too close attention because, you know, we're more than a month away from the sure. deadline and, and so much can change. And, you know, like a lot of teams that are in, in the hunt right now, uh, we'd really love to add some impact if it's available out there. But, you know, usually leading up to the trade deadline, at least at this juncture when you're still three or four weeks away, it's more teams that are looking to fill holes and maybe you've got a rebuilding team or a team that's uh, not in contention that maybe should be looking to move some payroll. So we're kind of at the, you know, plugging needs part of the <laughs> trade season right now. Um, and we don't have any really outstanding needs. We have some nice, nice depth, especially thanks to some of those young players, but uh, it'll be interesting. You know, you've got some teams that were heavily invested in 23 that, are, are, you know, having disappointing seasons. So I don't know how that'll go, but it'll be an interesting storyline leading up to August sure. 1st for sure. I'm intrigued about J.D. Davis and uh, the, the player that he has turned into. What were your expectations for J.D. Davis and, and, and what explains, uh, I, I guess, the, the return to form with, uh, with you folks? Yeah, it's been it's been great watching, you know, him develop into such a consistent player because he's a very, very talented guy and dating all the way back to his time in college, I think everybody saw the tools and, and the ability to become an everyday third baseman who could be both an offensive and a defensive force. He'd been through a couple of different organizations, was with the Astros initially, uh went over to the Mets and I think he plateaued a little bit his first season with the Mets in 2019 he actually had a really nice year but it was a little bit of a crowded roster and the big issue with him honestly was the defense at third base he wasn't as consistent as uh, people would like and uh, he's really cleaned that up and you know credit to him and our coaching staff for turning him into a guy who you know has played above average defense at third base but uh, you love the power I mean his on-base percentage is almost 370 he gives you a good at bat and he's hitting in the middle of the order for us every day. I mean, that's a huge boost to us in our lineup. Is it possible? You know, I, I look at the giants uh, as, as an organization that pays a lot of attention to analytics. And I, I've, I've often wondered when players improve defensively is how much of a role can analytics play mm-hmm. in the improvement of a player defensively? Right. Cause I think the average baseball fan, yeah. I can look at it and think, boy, I can see where it would help a hitter. I can see where it would help a pitcher. Can it also help a player defensively? I think it can a little bit. I mean, certainly the positioning aspect, Mm -hmm. uh, which used to be more of a lever that you could pull before this year, especially in the infield. Uh, But I have to say that, you know, the the best way to get defensive improvements, unlike in some of those other areas where the data is really good and maybe the data points you in a direction where you can get improvement you know, I think it's just grassroots coaching, you know, just being out on the field early, taking ground balls, doing drills. Um, and that's where I'm, you know, glad we have such a great coaching staff. That's clearly not my forte, but uh, it's an area where we have people that do really good work with our players at the major league level and minor league level. And I think that's just good coaching and, and hard work. I don't think uh, the numbers will ever give you a smoking gun as far as defense. Okay. I, I have to ask you because, because you are a forward thinker when it comes to just outside the box kind of things. And I don't know if you heard me and Jeff talking about Otani and, and what he brings and both sides of the ball. And, and the other day he split his, his fingernail and then he stayed in the game to hit. I mean, which was just cool in itself, right? That he could do that. But I was wondering what you do. Is there now a chance where, front offices are starting to look 
for players that can do both? Like, you know, you send scouts or you may be thinking, okay, well, this guy throws this hard, say, at shortstop, but he's not a very good defender. But, boy, if I could get him to throw a breaking ball early in a count because of how hard he throws and the way he hits, any thought there? Or am I overthinking it? Yeah, no, it's a really good question. Actually, I think a lot of people put a lot of time and energy into this when the limits around pitching staff started. You know, you've got a 13-pitcher limit now. There were a lot of times over the previous few years where teams were carrying 14 pitchers at a time. And so, you know, the idea of having a two-way guy who could count as a position player but give you an extra arm was really attractive. But I, but I think in the end, it's just really, really hard, yeah. A, to find those players, and B, to develop those players. Our first-round draft pick last year, a uh, player by the name of Reggie Crawford, you know, is a lefty who throws 99 to 100 off of the mound. Uh, he's got great power. He had a good season as a first baseman at the University of Connecticut his sophomore year. Um, and we've been trying to uh, allow him to do both. We think his future is on the mound, but we'd like to see him continue to develop with the bat. But it's just hard to figure out a development plan to get guys the reps at both spots. You know, you take a guy like J.D. Davis, who was a closer in college through in the mid-90s. We have Casey Schmidt on our team, who's the same way. You know, those guys are so valuable as position players now that, you know, even at this late stage, you could probably throw J.D. on the mound and give you 95 right now. Mm -hmm. But do you want to take that risk where something Mm -hmm. happens to him where he hurts his elbow? So. You know, whether it's in the minor leagues developing, whether it's in the major leagues and taking that leap to, you know, starting to use a player both ways, it's just kind of a a hard thing to execute on. So it's great in theory, but I don't know how much forward thinking is going to get you to the answer there. It's a real challenge. Sure. Farhan, last question before we let you run. I'm I'm interested in how you have changed or how you have developed as a as a baseball executive since you, you you came into the game. Um, what have you, I'm not going to ask you what you've learned about yourself or what you've learned about the game, but is there an area where you would say that you, you, you know, you you pay a little more attention to it now than you may have early in your career? Yeah, I, I, I really try to probably more than I did early on. And a lot of this is probably because of my role now. I'm sort of more on the front lines, have mm-hmm. more direct interaction with players you know, having players that are comfortable, that feel good about where they are, that feel good about their roles is so critical. I mean, ultimately, you know, we can talk all we want about analytics or strategy, but, you know, what what fuels good teams is, is, is good players who are producing, you know. And so much of, of having good players and having them be productive is having them feel good about themselves, having them feel uh, like they have a positive mindset. So, I think, you know, some of the sort of, uh, you know, marginal gains you can make strategy-wise by using a guy a certain way, I I think I'm more sensitive to what players want, what they'll be comfortable with, you know, and maybe giving a little bit on what's the best paper strategy to put guys in a more comfortable position. Farhan, we really appreciate you joining us. Thanks so much. Terrific insight, and uh, best of luck the rest of the year. That's great stuff. Thank you. Uh, Absolutely. Same to you guys. Thank you. Take care. Farhan Zaidi. Uh, native of Sudbury, Ontario, uh, president of the San Francisco Giants. An interesting, an interesting discussion. It was a great question about because dovetailing off Otani, yeah, um, and the idea that, and this would again, this just, I mean, just it makes Otani so hard. It, it's so hard to wrap, you wrap your mind about. I mean, you got to get paid, mm-hmm. and 
it's almost human nature as well. <laughs> if my organization has me playing a position and is also asking me to pitch, but I kind of know they want me to be a position player and I want to get to the majors and I want to get paid. I, you know, if you're a guy at some point, you gotta, you gotta make a call. Well, well, the the difference is you're probably not great at both. He's great at both. Now what? It's like, it's one thing. It's like, cause I played with shortstops coming up that were very hard throwers, not very good defenders could hit, Decent, right? I'm trying had, to think had the, power. The Jays had a reliever who was a shortstop with Arizona, big, tall dude, and they tried to – Sergio Santos, thank yeah, you. I played with him. Yeah, and I think a. they tried to turn him into a closer, if I'm not mistaken. Um, I know Guillermo Moda, uh, a reliever the Montreal Expos had him. He was a six-foot-six shortstop, believe it or not. And he was tried to they they tried to turn him into a into a pitcher later down the road. Yeah, um, it is interesting. Troy Gloss, there you go. Uh, yes, Troy Gloss. I, as a matter of fact, that's uh, I remember Troy Gloss actually volunteering to. I'm, I've lost my sheet here. Uh, what sheet you looking for? Uh, the uh, bu- 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 bet, bet, bu- bu- the gambling sheet, the gambling sheet, the bet river sheet. Um, yeah. I got too many, too maybe many papers. Too many here. sheets here. I got too many sheets here. I got too many Holy sheets here. Moly. Right there, maybe. There we go. Is that it? Nope. Nope. It isn't. Oh yeah, it is. Here we go. Time now for between the lines. Brought to you by Bet Rivers. It's a whole new game, Mister Boffo. Sorry about that. I got, I got my 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 paperwork here. Got all got all kerfuffled. No, it's okay. You just want to make sure you're all prepared. Careful, that word. That's that's no problem. Yeah. Yeah. Of course, you did give me a whole bunch of paper. Some of it I didn't ask for. I've got this He's stuff. He's doing his what... job. Oh, go ahead, anyhow. Sorry, go uh, ahead. Jeez. Anyways, back on track here. I, I don't know why I need this thing, though. This thing is... Okay, let him finish. Chris Bassett, you talked about Batting it at the top order, of the show. Right? Yes. He is on the mound today for the Jays. Over under 17 and a half outs recorded oh. tonight against the Giants. Wow. What do you guys think? I'm more interested in the over-under of pitch clock violations because he's going to be thinking right. about 17,000 different things. I'm taking the – I mean, it's got to be the under. That's why they're, they're be the not under. doing it, so he doesn't mm, think yeah. about 17,000 Well, he's going to be thinking things. about it because if Kirky doesn't, have an, if Kirky doesn't have an answer sitting, after two. Kirky's been sitting there for the two under. weeks, figure it out. Oh, okay, yeah, not right. Doing like anything. he's paying figure attention to Absolutely. it for two weeks. Well, better be. I'm taking the under. Me too. I don't want to say this is an easy one, but because – the Giants are rolling out five lefties. Four lefties and a switch hitter. Uh, well, five lefties. Five lefties so yeah. Don't let it beat you. Uh, it's, it's, he's not been real good. And his last seven starts, he's two and three with an ERA of over six, a whip of almost one and a half. Opponent's average is almost 300. He's given up 10 homers yeah. with an OPS of over 900. I would love to be in the camp and say that he's going to fix this overnight. And this is going to be an easy fix of just letting somebody else call it. I don't uh, think that's good enough. I just think because of the lefties, I think he's going to be good. I don't think he's going to be great. I'll tell you another thing, too. I great like, would be seven innings. I, I think based on what the Jays saw out of Nate Pearson a couple of nights ago, and we talked about how Nate Pearson, you may, you're probably, at this point, you're probably not going to use him back-to-back games. You may use, go to him tonight. I, I think the under. I think the under's in play here. Absolutely, you I took the under true. because of Nate Pierce. No, but I'm That's saying I'm saying you're... that I can. I think his availability makes it more likely that uh, because it's going to be. I think it's going to be a low scoring game. It's going to be close. It makes it more likely we'll see him. 
Uh, we're going to take a deeper dive into Vladdy's appearance in the Home Run Derby. Bill Shaken of the LA Times joins us as well. It's Blair and Barker on Sportsnet 5. You nailed that. What? Stop it. <laughs> Blair, look at this. Look at this, what I have yeah, here. I've yeah, got Jeremy Affeld. I've got yesterday's lineup. It's Blair and Barker on Sportsnet 590, the fans, Sportsnet 360, and wherever you get your favorite podcast. before and after the games. The Raptor Show with Will Liu. Subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. All right, welcome back to Blair and Barker. You're a child. You know that? You really are. I'm a child. You, you are. Got me my lineup sheet here what? now, finally. Look at this stuff here. Look at this. See, this is why I was confused in the last hour. It's not age. It's just, uh, look at this stuff. I got, I got, I got the Giants radio schedule here. Anyway, uh, well, I don't know what this Giants is. lineup. I don't know what that is. It's a bunch of boxes to me. I've got what Chris Bassett MLB rankings. Anyhow, uh, Bill Shaken of the LA Times is going to join us at six thirty. He is a national baseball writer with the Times. We'll talk about Shohei Otani. Uh, also, Bill's reporting on the uh, Oakland Athletics <clears throat> moving to Vegas. Apparently, the teachers' union in Nevada is uh, protesting the, or not protesting, has filed some sort of injunction regarding the amount of money the state's giving the, the A's. We'll talk to Bill about that. Wow. Bill does love him some business of baseball conversation. Mostly, though, we'll talk about Shohei Otani. The A's are the worst team I've ever seen on person in person and on TV. Well, speaking of which, last night the Oakland A's <laughs> uh, were victimized. It's embarrassing. Ah, it's, it's, it's embarrassing. by uh, Domingo Herman. Pitched the first perfect game this year. And it was kind of interesting at the time because I was thinking about this, right? Dallas Braden, who we had on, pitched a perfect game. He's covering the game in the uh, in the booth. Um in the booth for uh for the Oakland the Oakland Athletics. And yeah, I mean it's complicated with Domingo Herman because of a suspension for domestic violence. Yeah. Uh it, it you know, there was just Taken sticky stuff all over your hands. Yeah, I it was. Let's just say more that than it, once. Let's just say that the the celebration was um, the celebration around baseball was 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 kind of muted uh, for a variety of reasons. But um, have you been? And I always I ask you this as a as a player. Have you either played? Been a teammate of a dude pitching a no hitter or a yeah, perfect yeah. game. Homer, or, ba- Homer Bailey threw two with the Reds when you were two. with them. Yeah, yeah. With what's the Reds. that? What's that like? In the yeah, he's the worst. Oh, first of all, sorry. Were you were you in the dug? You were in the dugout. Yeah, yeah, were here, you in the field during the game? No, in a dugout. Here, okay. here's here's why I laugh at that. Okay, he's the worst minor league pitcher I ever played with. Homer he, Bailey. He threw two no hitters. I I used to go to bars with him. Just no lie, and walk him off the plank, and then he signs for a hundred million dollars and throws those two no hitters. It's crazy. 
That's why you love sports, you love baseball, is I played with him, and <laughs> I used to tell him all the time, you know how quickly I'd have got to the big leagues I faced you every day? It was atrocious. <laughs> like, he was just not good. And yeah. all of a sudden, you get to the big leagues, and he starts doing things, and somebody's saying the right words to him, and he figures out how to throw a fastball in the wide, right quadrants and, you know, develops a good breaking ball that can get lefties out. And all of a sudden, you throw in two no-hitters. So, yeah, it's... What's it like when the, you're in the, the dugout when that's happening? Guys no really hitter. not talking about it and don't change your, uh, yeah, where that, you're sitting? Yeah, that no. Yeah. Position players could care less. Yeah. You know, you might have a – and most pitchers <clears throat> are, you know, the four or five starters that are in there other than the guy that's throwing. They're usually the ones that are away. They're the quiet ones, the position players. We, you know, we, we're poking fun and could care less and – you know, we're doing our little thing, throwing seeds. It probably and, depends on the pitcher, too, right? If it's absolutely. Roger Clemens, you're, well, you're you may not, not be seeds. going up. You're not going to throw yeah. seeds. Homer Bailey, you might be throwing you're seeds. Not, absolutely. So it is, right? You're so you're, look, there's only been 319 of them. Yeah. No hitters. First, by a, 20, first by a Dominican. Games. First by a Dominican-born player. First perfect game. Think of all the great Dominican pitchers. I all the great show, Dominican I just goes pitchers. to show you how hard it is to do it. You know, Pedro a, never did a, it. A lot, a lot of the no hitters are against bad teams too, right? I mean, I don't want to downplay it because you still have to. You know, Domingo had a good breaking ball yesterday, which made that change up and that fastball better. And you know, you heard Booney after the game saying those kind of things. And you know, you add to the mix of when you do make a bad pitch because you're facing a double A team in the big leagues, you can get away with them. But you know, I, I just that's. Sort of the way baseball is now, where I, I I just don't know how serious you take it. Is it a big as as a big a deal as it was fifteen years ago, twenty years ago? Uh, to me, it's almost to me it's a bigger deal because of the way pitchers are used now. I, I think it's a huge deal now. I mean, we don't even never mind. I mean, perfect game. We celebrate complete games. We celebrate an eight inning start. That's like. That's like Hallie's comment in eight inning start. Yeah, I, think, I I think it's a I think it's a huge deal. Now. I, think, I think the perfect game is the two words, the no hitter. I mean, if you have a no hitter and you walk five guys, is that is that really a big deal? Like the way today's game is, where you know you're not afraid to walk a guy. You're going to throw a breaking ball and fastball counts. You throw a breaking ball. He threw three breaking balls in I think the eighth inning. Yeah. Uh, with a three one count, like yeah. he was trying to get it. Right, he wasn't going. Oh to, yeah, he oh was, no, no, he, he a was in there. He was well aware. So of it. he was trying to throw the breaking ball in there. So I, I mean, you give him credit for it. I, I, I the the perfect game's a big deal. I mean, it's only been twenty four of those in the history of baseball. And I mentioned the first perfect game by a Dominican born pitcher, third from a pitcher born outside the United States. Felix Hernandez had one. I covered Dennis Martinez's perfect game. I also covered David Cohn's perfect game. It was against the Montreal Expos. And the thing I always remember about Dennis Martinez's perfect game is Ron Hassey was the catcher. And Ron Hassey had caught Len Barker's perfect game. Mm-hmm. And there was this whole thing about don't talk to the pitcher, don't talk to the pitcher. And Ron Hassey went up to Dennis after the fourth inning and said, you know, you got a perfect game going. Let's keep this going. He was yapping the, the whole time. And Dennis Dennis didn't care. Dennis said, I wanted somebody to talk to me. I didn't want guys to, like, go away from me in the in the dugout. And yeah, it was think, just interesting how, inning, how guys okay. handle that. I think it's the eighth inning. He was talking to him after inning. every inning. That's that's sort of when you yeah. you know everybody notices and everybody's yelling and screaming about, it. and you start hearing fans yell and don't you, know, you don't send it out on Twitter yeah. now. And if you're an announcer, don't mention it, which yeah. is just the biggest stupidest pile of steaming you know what in the planet. Don't mention that it's a perfect game because you're going to jinx it. 
Give me a break. I mean, the, and I think the Yankees announcers yesterday were talking about don't get out of your seat, stay in your seat till the game's over. Come on. It's like, a perfect game. Say perfect game. I mean, it's. That drives me nuts. Anyhow. Yeah, fourth perfect game by a Yankees pitcher. David Cohn, David Wells, Don Larson. The coolest thing about David Cohn's perfect game was that it was on a day where they were celebrating Don Larson's World Series perfect game. So Don Larson was in the crowd, which was really, really neat. Actually, so was Yogi. Yogi was still alive. That was really neat. David Cohn was, and David Cohn was the perfect guy to pitch a perfect game because he understood the importance of it, of doing it at Yankee Stadium, of doing it for the Yankees. And I remember his post-game availability. I mean, he touched on everything, every bit of Yankees history. It was just, I, I told people afterwards, it may have been the most perfect post-game interview I have ever heard an athlete give because it's checked all the boxes. Thank my teammates, thank my family, give a nod to the Yankees history, give a nod to the fans, give a nod to the Expos appreciated the way they approached it at the plate. Like it was just a master class in how you embrace the moment and celebrate it. And then of course he went out and got absolutely completely blitzed. Yeah. And it did a yeah, news conference well, Domingo, the next day and basically told everybody, guys, I just got in three hours yeah, ago. Yeah, yeah. Well, Domingo giving up like, what, like 15 earned runs in his yeah. last two starts and like five innings, right? I mean, you want a cure, just go to Oakland. I mean, that's, the best way to get out yeah. of some slump. So that's ah, a big deal. Good for him. Good for the Yankees. Uh, let's uh, talk about uh, Mark Boffo just reminding me that uh, Don Larson threw out the first pitch that day to Yogi. So there you go. Even better. Wow. Um, way to go, Mark. Yeah. Hmm. Uh, Vladdy going to the All-Star game. Or Vladdy going to the Home Run Derby. Again, He's the, the, the All-Star starters will... Well, the All-Star starters will be announced at 7 o'clock. Now, Vladdy isn't... Announced as a starter. If Yandy Diaz beats him in that vote and Vladdy doesn't get in somehow in that other thing, then it's going to come down to coach's manager's decision as to whether or not Vladdy goes to the game. Yeah, I don't uh, think Florida's going to outvote Canada. They were as of yesterday. Vladdy was second to Yandy Diaz yesterday. Mm. Um, anyhow, we shall see. I think he was second to Vladdy Diaz. To, anyhow, whatever. We'll, mm. we'll know at 7 o'clock. As I said, conveniently, once we're off air. Um, Vladdy going to the home run derby. We're on the same page here, aren't we? The, uh, I think this is a particularly good thing for Vladdy How? to do right now. How? Well, why? I what, think. What would it do for him if he finishes third? It's the third most homers. Like what? I, mean, I, I think being maybe a. Maybe the only way this would be good for him if he wins it. No, I think it, just being able to. Be in a situation where you're going to be spoon-fed pitches to hit home run. Just go up and sw- you know, and, and swing and have fun. And the thing about Vladdy is Vladdy, Vladdy loves that. He loves the interaction with the mm-hmm. other players. I just think it's great, man, because he's gonna he's gonna go there. It's gonna have been a difficult first half in in terms of home runs for Vladdy. I think this is perfect. This is the one time, or I would say, kid, you go and you just. You just have fun, and there's no, you know, the. I don't think Vladdy. I think we realize is a smart enough guy to realize there's the pressure of a home run derby and there's the pressure of playing in a regular season game. I think it's perfect timing for him. I absolutely. I I've seldom have I thought that a player going to a home run derby that that it was better time than for Vladdy. I think this is just great. I want him to go and have fun and reset and come back for the second half and. 
get it down and get it singing. I mean, that's fair. I got some fair take, I guess. I, I think you're reading too much into it. No, I don't think I am. I, I don't. I think I'd be reading too much into it. I said, oh, I don't want Vladdy to go because, you know, going to the home run derby can put you in a real funk and da-da-da, et cetera, et cetera. No. I, I think it would or it could if you're changing something to hit homers. His fluition of that gather is going to be hunting for however many times he's trying yeah, to get a ball out of Seattle. I, again, because I, you don't you, don't have to worry about the, hitting the, with the, runners in scoring the position. Answer, the, you the don't answer have to. you gave there is the, the, the harsh reality of it is, is as soon as he leaves that and whenever the game start, like two days later, three days later, day later. whatever. Or the game starts. Sorry. You got it. There it is. Bear with me here. Yeah, yeah. The real games is they're going to know they're still going to know how to get him out. Can he take a ball in off the plate? Yeah, Can he take fine. a ball okay. down and away off the plate? This is my point here. Kevin, you know what? If he, if, he no, if he doesn't take part in the home run derby, they're still going to know how to get him out. Yeah. Further to my point. They're still right. going to know how to get him out. You're, you're talking about he goes there. He looks like he has fun. Yeah, he goes there and has, he, he goes there and has, he ain't hitting homers. He goes there and, but yeah, but he goes there and has fun and hits homers. That's great. I guarantee you Vladdy's not going to go up there and hit three home runs. He's not going to pull a Jason Bay. Jason Bay went to the or home Piazza. run derby in Detroit, and it Imagine, was basically like basically doubles derby. Yeah, uh, Vladdy ain't going to do that. And you know John Schneider is going to be. I mean, that's what they all do. I know. Okay. But, uh, I, I mean. It's cool. I mean, I'm going to watch the home run, but now I mean. I was one of the better five o'clock hitters in all of baseball, Jeff. Had nothing to do with my performance when it hit seven yeah. o'clock. This is a little different. Hey, though, is man. it how? This is different. I was geared up. I would run straight from the weight room, straight to the batting cage, and try to go in the fourth deck at the Rogers Center, and would do it. Facts. But changed nothing <laughs> to when I got in the game at 7 o'clock. That's fine. I'm just saying, my, look, I'm sure he'll have a good time. John Snyder, if he wins, will make a little money. Which is always a good it's thing. Always good. Well, you're because you're getting, you know, you're getting a little cake. I would like to see him bowl in the home run derby too. I mean, that's that one there is a bit strong. A yeah, small dude in the home run derby'd be fun. Yeah, until he, until he pulled a muscle because he's kicking it to his ear. You know, you know, I I don't want that to happen with Laddie. If it does, you're never going to let me forget that, are you? No. Absolutely yeah. not. You know, he has a leg, a knee, a thumb, much as when a there's, wrist. Much as when there's a pitch timer violation I mean, tonight, this, I'm not going to let you, you can, forget it. You can it. bank this. You can bank this. You know that thing we were worried about his wrist? You can you can kick that out the window because yeah. he's going up there letting this thing eat for however many times he's going to let it eat. And nothing wrong with that wrist. So you can't blame that at the end of the season. We mentioned that Alejandro Kirk is back in the Jays lineup Woo-hoo. tonight catching Chris Bassett. What did you just do that? Just so you can see the lineup. The lineup. Thank you. Where's he hitting? Uh, let me look down that far. That's seventh. No, no that's, that's eighth. eighth. Boy, that's eighth. Well, you, well there's a, well, no, yeah, sometimes well, the pitcher spot uh, underneath confuses me because I'm used to looking at it in thirds. But yes, I understand. See, if I put this sheet together, and this isn't Boffo's fault, this is the way the Jays would do it. Although, oh, if we can blame right. Boffo if we want, I would take the starting pitcher's name and move it over here so that when you look at the lineup, you're only seeing nine names. Right? Springer, Bichette, Belk, Guerrero, so Chapman, Varshall, Merrifield, Kirk, Espinal. So what you're saying, instead of having Kirk as yeah, the, have pitcher, the pitcher there, have the pitcher right you know. there. And then, I, then, then people aren't well, going to look and get confused Kirk, and say, why, are the Jays have t- why do the Jays have 10 hitters tonight? Would 10 hitters help the Jays in a game? Not um, Bassett. Alejandro Kirk behind the uh, 
behind the plate. Uh, that was a long haul for Danny Jansen. You like where Danny Jansen's game is right now offensively? Yeah. I think he's bought into who he is. I think that is three-quarters of the battle, knowing who you are. He finally figured that out. Sometimes it takes a little underperformance. Going to the minor leagues, you get injured. You got time to step away, work on what you think you need to work on. His game really has about the other part of the field. It hasn't changed for a couple of seasons, though, has it? No. Like he's been, he's really, he's really turned into a, he's turned into a good all around player. I like it so much. He's the, if I need a catcher behind the plate, he's the guy, not Kirky. Yep. Kirky offense, excuse me, Kirky offensively is just not getting it done. Bat looks slow. Uh, commanding the strike zone, which is supposedly what he's really good at, bat-to-ball skills. You're not seeing any three of those consistently. Why? I don't know. But it 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 is true. Maybe, I was going to say maybe the time off, but I mean, didn't help with spring training, did it? No. He's just really, he's been, he's been behind the eight ball since, since spring training. Since spring spring training started, getting to camp late, um, uh, I yeah. Bat to ball. <clears throat> most bat to ball skill guys don't have issues with velocity. For now, occasionally he will get the head out on some elevated velocity, but consistently on that ball in. That 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 for me is sort of where he was making his money when he's really good. Is you can't throw it by me. You might be able to spin it. I might chase. I might roll over something. I might hit the ball on the ground. But timing of velocity and the breaking ball have been way off. That's the thing, right? It's like Vladdy. Why is Vladdy hitting the ground ball all the time to the pull side? It's point of contact. And I've said the, this to you till my face hurts. Why all of these dudes... Don't move around in the batter's box to change. Point of contact is beyond me. That's why every time you see Vladdy hit that ball 143 miles an hour to the shortstop. Maybe for a because it's play, not complicated it's because enough. He's not getting extension and allows which allows him to get to the finish. That's why. That's point of contact. That's timing somewhere. I got all this stuff happening. <clears throat> Could be when I start. Twice. He starts twice, right? It's not a it's not a you know a fruition where it's sort of a I'm gonna gather it, I'm not gonna stop it, I'm gonna go, my foot's athletic, and then my hands are playing catch up. It's got the rubber band effect, I can drive down and through it, I can hit the ball to all parts of the field. It's not that consistently. Now it's point of contact because something in all of that is off a little. So what do I do if I'm a smart guy? If I continue to make contact in the same spot, maybe I move, I don't know, an inch one way or the other just to change the point of contact. Maybe I catch it deeper. That's a line drive who over the second to you? baseman's who, head. Who talked to you about that? A lot. When you, uh, well, I learned that the hard way because it makes a lot of sense. I was a left-handed hitter who had trouble with the lefty. And the way I learned was, you come in flipping that thing, I've had enough of that. So I'm going to move around the batter's box, shrink your strike zone, make it tougher for you to spin it to me so I can get more fastballs. 
give me a chance to elevate something in the air. So it's less left center, right center. Like I got a better chance it's, of doing that and maybe getting a hanger. Okay. By either scooting somewhere for me, most of the time it was closer to the pitcher. I'm going to catch it for it breaks. So it's less being able to handle that particular pitch and more making the pitcher throw you the two, fastball. It's two each, it's, yeah, it's two inches on, right? How do I, what do I think this dude's going to do to me to get me out? Well, Vladdy, it's easy. This year, it's down. It's down and away. It's real easy. I'm not going to go in a batting cage and put the T down and try and change everything I do with my bat path. That's not smart. Like, that's just, that makes you, you sit and think about that because of how hard he hits the baseball makes you wonder, who's in the cage with you? Like, why not, instead of thinking it that way, move around in the box? You're not going to change all of that stuff because you've had success and almost was the MVP in the American League. There wasn't that unicorn you would have been. So why not move around a little? Change where I'm making contact with my barrel, which would allow me maybe to get the ball in the air more instead of all the time taking the same exact swing on the same exact pitch and hitting it to the same exact place and yelling and screaming and hitting your helmet on the ground. It just sometimes, I, I it sounds so simple, doesn't it? Yeah. But we never see it. You, go, you see the same exact thing over and over again, and I just, because, again, most of the time with established, really good hitters, it's not mechanical. Maybe with Vladdy, because of everything going on, because of what point of contact and where the ball ends up, it's a timing issue. That's why I've told you forever. You see pitchers, Jeff, they'll get it, hold it, make him stand there. He's stale. He's like, looks like a statue. They do it on purpose. Like, they'll get the sign for like, with like 13 seconds left. They'll hold that thing till two seconds and make him stand there to sort of disrupt what he's trying to do because there's a lot going on before he can get in an athletic position to do maximum damage with the baseball. I just, I don't know. That's just sounds, it's, it's so simple for me. It was simple for me and I was not Vladdy. You had Vladdy's talent to just knowing what's happening. I want to go back and talk a little bit about the uh, interview we did with Farhan, Farhan Zaidi, uh, the president Great of baseball the ops at the center. Yeah, it was, it was really, he's really a fascinating, he's a fascinating Wonderful. dude. And I asked him about sort of how he has changed over his time as a baseball executive. Now, he came in with the Oakland Athletics, I believe, and has worked has worked his way up. And he made a point about, and, and, and Farhan has made his mark as, a, as an analytics guy. Um, but I found it interesting that he talked about having, as... As he spoke to more players and as he had a more or assumed a more hands-on role with players, the importance of players being comfortable in their environment and comfortable with what they're asked being to do. And he made that point about maybe, I think the line was sacrificing a few points on the analytics to have a player who is who who is just fills fills a role and is the best player he can possibly be in the situation we need him in and it was interesting hearing him because one of the things Alex Anthopoulos will tell you that he learned very quickly is he never put much stock in 
He looked at the numbers. He never put much stock in the quality of the individual. Now, we can get, I'm with you, sometimes you get overboard thinking about everybody's got to be a good guy in point of fact. No, everybody doesn't have to be a good guy. That's not what we're talking about. We're talking about dudes who are comfortable uh, who are comfortable in their roles. And I, and I wonder when I watch the Giants, maybe that explains why you do have teams, Kevin, where the team itself is much better than the individuals you look at. Like you look at that Giants lineup, that does not scream we got a shot at winning a division title. Nope. But they do have a shot at winning a division title. Well, I think title. they do because of the... the it was interesting the, hearing the him talk about and, that, though, and that and that... That change and the different arm angles. Well, you got to talk him into a player when you walk up to him and say, numbers wise, this is what you need to do because the numbers say it. Well, will this get me paid? That that's the that's the big thing about you know when you're whatever you're doing and you're one of the bosses, you got to talk a player into certain sorts of kinds of things like that. I do think that's why they're trying to go out and get a superstar. You ain't going to walk up to a superstar and tell him a bunch of numbers and say this. He's a superstar for a reason, right? He sort of figured it out on his own. You, li- you listen to Aaron Judge. This is why they were going after him. You, li- you watch video of him in a batting cage talking about his swing. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's mastered it. Yep. It's like listening to Bo Bichette talk about his swing and everything takes place and what he needs to do to get the barrel to the ball. I don't care how much I wrap it. If I do this right... The wrap will take care of itself. The back elbow will lead the barrel where it needs to go. It's not always my eyes, right? I don't have to swing at the right pitch all the time. If I do everything right mechanical, it's going to fall into place. So I do think organizations that have sort of mastered that that part of it, the numbers, as long as you don't abuse it, like that that for me is where sometimes these organizations, it's like Tampa. We've had guys on Tam- from Tampa on the show that said year to year, you got to back off it a little. You got to let these dudes be the the dudes. Like Peter Bendix made good, that point. Get a good pitch and go back Lake City occasionally. Yeah. Try try that, and then I I don't know. I, I think there's a place for for all of the things that everybody's trying to sell in baseball. Everything that goes into making good baseball teams, and I think sometimes people forget that. If you're a good player, you're a good player. Bill Shaken is a national baseball writer for the LA Times. We spent a little bit of this show talking about Shohei Otani. We asked Farhan Zaidi about Shohei Otani. Uh, Bill Shaken has seen him as much as anybody. We'll talk about the Angels. The Angels are in a playoff spot right now. Um, the Angels could make things very interesting for a lot of teams. On the Jays. At the trade, oh boy, they could make things really that? interesting for the Jays at the trade deadline. We'll talk to Bill Shaken about that. It's Blair and Barker on Sportsnet 590, the fan. Smart takes on the biggest stories in sports. The Fan Drive Time with Ben Ennis. Subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. First pitch is about uh, 37 minutes away. That's not about. Yeah, it's true. If, oh, yeah. if I was going to say about, I'd say about 35 about minutes away. Or maybe minutes. 40 minutes away would Boy, be about. Uh, Keaton Wynn making his debut as a starter. 
He's pitched in the majors really. He's making his debut as a starter for the Giants tonight. Um, interesting little tidbit here, courtesy of the Giants PR department, before we get the bill shaken. Uh, Giants pitchers have yet to walk a batter through the first two games of this series, despite striking out yeah. 25, 17 on Monday. I don't think the Jays will let them. The last three games set without issuing a walk came in 1976 against the oh, Expos no. when they struck out just 10 opponents over the three contests. Curiously enough, the last team in Major League Baseball to strike out at least 25 batters without issuing a walk in the three-game series was the Toronto Blue Jays, who struck out 30 Tampa Bay batters on September 13th to 15th, 2021, here at Rogers Center. Whose fault is that, the Giants or the Jays? What? With the no walks and all the strikeouts. I don't know. So you watched the, you watched the first game. Yeah. All those strikeouts. Yeah, probably the Jays' fault. There you go. Well. That's all you need to know. A 50% chance of being right. The reason I talked about the Expos is because uh, we're bringing in our uh, friend Bill Shaken, the national baseball writer for the LA Times. We like Bill. We like Bill. And uh, Bill, uh, famous for wearing his Expos uh, Expos baseball jacket around at functions. And also, and you kind of disappointed me a bit. You stopped doing this a bit. Every time we used to have you on, Bill, you'd always end your your segment by saying, go Expos. And... Kind of stop doing it. Well, I can act on cue. Go Expos. There you go. Perfect. Uh, we got that out of the way. Uh, Shohei Otani. <laughs> uh, explain Shohei. No, I was going to ask you to explain Shohei Otani in 10 words or less. Uh, what happens to Shohei Otani and to the LA Angels if they are where, where they are in the standings right now at the trade deadline? Or is is it... See, because I've operated under the assumption all along, Bill, that this is a, you just don't trade this guy. Not a chance. Whatever, wherever you are. First place, second place, third place, fourth mm-hmm. place. You just don't trade him. They're not going to. Um, they have been pretty clear from owner Ari Moreno on down that they are not going to consider trading Shohei Otani most likely under any circumstance and certainly not if they're in a position where they might go to the playoffs because, oh, by the way, no American League team has gone longer without going to the playoffs than the Angels. So where are they right now? They're second. They're half a game out of a wild card spot. So he's not going anywhere. Bill, why is he hitting so much better than he has in the past? Honestly, I think some of it is just being able to do it more. You know, his first – couple of years they were kind of feeling out how often he should play should he hit the day before he pitched should he hit the same day he pitched should he hit the day after he pitched and by now he's been able to figure it out and he's been in their lineup every single day and you know it's not as if he's uh operating at the bottom of the lineup or something he leads the team in at bats you know with everything else he does for them offensively how, uh, how, how, as an organization, ha- have the Angels changed anything this year in terms of the tone of conversations when you ask them about Otani? And, and, and I guess what I mean by that is, is, is there uh, less of a less of a likelihood of kind of musing about the future. You know what I mean? And, and instead of saying, well, if this happens, this happens, this could happen, this could happen, this could happen, this could happen. Or have, have they always been like that for the most part? 
I think it's changed a little bit over the years as we get close to this winter when he can be a free agent. Mike Trout had two times where he was close to free agency. He signed extensions with the Angels both times, both times more than a year before he could become a free agent. He didn't want any part of what Shohei Otani is going through this year, which is every time you go to a city, there are people in that city go, hey, would you like to play in fill in name of city here? Uh, He's very focused. He has really nothing to contribute to that discussion publicly. I'm sure he's given it some thought internally, but anybody who tells you they know what Shohei is going to do is making it up because Shohei is the only one that knows, and I don't even know if he even knows because he's so focused. He's going to get a great deal wherever he goes. Does he have to worry about that right now? Probably not. Does does he have... I'm going to say a support group, but obviously he's got an agency. Are is is there a are there a group of people around him that you think might help him make this decision? I think there are some from his agency and from his family, but you know there are a lot of people, as you remember, that thought they knew what he was going to do when yeah. he was coming over to the major leagues in the Fair first point. place. And yep. the angels weren't the team that everybody thought he was going to sign with. And it's given him the chance, whether this is what he intended or just found out along the way that you can play somewhere. It's comfortable. There's a considerable Asian community, certainly in Southern California, the flight from Los Angeles back to Japan, obviously is a lot quicker than it would be if he played for a team on the East coast. The weather's good. Nobody boos in Anaheim. Uh, you know, those are all good things, but he's made pretty clear he also wants to win. So the Angels' focus this year has been doing everything they could to get a winner on the field. Will that be enough to keep him? You know, only Shohei knows, but the Angels aren't going to go down without trying. Bill, you're closer to him than we are. What's he better at, hitting or pitching, in your opinion? You know, the crazy thing that most people aren't talking about, I guess maybe it's fair because it's June, but this guy could win the triple crown this year. Yeah, yeah. He leads the majors in home runs. He's second in the league in RBI. He's fourth right now in the American League in average. And, oh, by the way, you know, he gives you a Cy Young caliber performance once every fifth game. It's it's insane. Uh, now, the Angels have were, were active recently in the trade front, getting Eduardo Escobar and, of course, Mike Moustakas. That would suggest that they are going to be very aggressive at the trade deadline. Uh, we know that there are teams out there that are underperforming that might make some big names available. Max Scherzer, for example, has suggested that he might be willing to move uh, uh, to waive his no trade clause in order to move. Now, uh, you know, we can de- we can debate what Max Scherzer has left in the tank. But could you see the Angels making like one of those monster moves, uh, a, a Lucas Giolito or or a Scherzer? You know, somebody, just one of those big-name guys. Do they have the prospect capital to to pull that off? My first instinct would be to say no, that they don't, that there are other teams that will be looking for pitching because, frankly, who isn't looking for pitching, right? Um, a team like, say, the Dodgers that mm-hmm. always has prospect capital. Um, I don't think the Angels are going to outbid anybody in terms of prospects. But, you know, this is the year they want to make their move, and some teams do things just to get rid of contracts. Uh, Some teams, you know, for example, the Mets last week, 
They were willing to trade Eduardo Escobar to the Angels, who needed some depth at third base because Anthony Rendon is hurt again, uh, to say, and Gio Urshela too, but to say, yeah, we'll, we'll pay off the rest of Escobar's contract because we'd like some prospects in return. So the Angels got a free player and for two minor league pitchers that may or may not amount to something, but if they do, it won't be this year. Mm. Bill, what's up with Mike Trout? Like, he's what is he hitting? He's hitting two fifty four. He's got seventeen. He's got somewhere in the forty RBI range. It is I, I? I don't want to say uh, how far away away from because of all the injuries and you know the games played that he hasn't played in the last couple of years. I think the last six years, the most games he's played is is one hundred and forty games, which is not a time when you're paying the guy uh, the amount of money you're paying him. But how far away are we from just basically saying this is who Mike is? Like, what are the numbers supposed to look like with Mike Trout? They're supposed to look like, you know, the best numbers in the league. You know, if you call up his baseball reference page, there's a lot of the bold-faced type in a lot of columns, which means you led the league in whatever category it is. And, you know, if you've got an outfielder who's got a 132 OPS plus, which basically means he's 32% better than league average, that's pretty good. And for Mike Trout, that's his worst season. So, you know, he, he's going to be an all-star. He is still one of the best players in the league, and he's not Mike Trout. And I don't know that we can tell right now if he's going to be a pretty good player. And I know salary always factors in. And when you're paying a guy more than $30 million a year, you're not hoping for you know, just Mike Trout, but I mean, that's basically the entirety of the San Diego Padres right now, right? Yeah, so, yeah, fair point. You know, I think by the end of the year, we'll we'll have a better idea. And you know, having a pretty good Mike Trout as the floor of your performance isn't such a bad thing. Yeah. Shifting focus a little bit, the Dodgers are what they're forty-four and thirty-five this year. You know, the the Diamondbacks have emerged as a pretty good team. Although I see that Corbin Carroll left today's game with the shoulder. Uh, a shoulder issue. The Giants, I mean, we're seeing them firsthand. Um, what do you think the Dodgers, what do the Dodgers see themselves as being this year? They saw themselves as being in transition. You know, if you look at the Red Sox, you really see a lot of what the Dodgers used to be. Justin mm-hmm. Turner and Kim Stanson and Enrique Hernandez, um, Chris Martin a little bit too. Uh, they don't mind letting guys go because their player development system is so good. And whenever you hear a general manager say, and inevitably you will, that we want to build a sustainable winner, everybody says it. the Dodgers are the one team that does it. So they were going to put some people in their lineup this year and in their bullpen that were not going to be experienced, and they were going to be fine with it. And what's happened is, in some cases, as always happens with young players, it's worked out. In some, it hasn't worked out so well. Um, you know, James Altman has been pretty good in the outfield. Miguel Vargas at second base is hitting under 200. That has not worked out so well. And the young pitching prospects that they counted on to provide depth this year, um, for the most part, have either been ineffective or have gotten hurt. Uh, Bobby Miller has been great in his first six major league starts. Uh, they called up a kid from double-A named Emmett Sheehan, who's been very good in his first two. But, you know, the thing about the Dodgers over the past few years is they've built up enough depth to know that there's so much mileage on Clayton Kershaw's arm 
that they had penciled in breaks for him over the course of the season because they didn't need him to pitch 200 innings in the regular season. They needed him to be healthy in October. So right now, if you're looking at the Dodgers, Clayton Kershaw leads the Dodgers in innings pitched with 95. There's nobody else even at 60. Last question uh, before we, we let you go. You're reporting today on the sort of the latest, I don't know if it's a twist in the Oakland A's move to Las Vegas, but the fact that the teachers union in Nevada is uh, thinking of launching court action. Um, is this thing is this thing done or are there still a few roadblocks in your mind? Because you have done a lot of reporting on this. Are there still some roadblocks ahead of this thing? Well, from a major league baseball standpoint, it's done. The only thing left is for the major league baseball owners to approve it. And frankly, they will. Right. Uh, They're tired of dealing with the Oakland situation. They don't know that this is some sort of panacea, but it's more like the lifeline. So they can be done with that. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, litigation takes long and works in strange ways, and Americans are very fond of it, unfortunately. And the ballot is, uh, I think, if the teachers' unit can get this on the ballot, which takes millions of dollars just to get all the signatures you need, and then probably millions more for a campaign, that's probably a long shot. But if it gets on the ballot, I think it's done. There's no way the A's would get the money because as Everybody saw with the Coyotes in Arizona, people don't like to vote for public money for stadiums. So the way to do it is to get this done in such a way that you don't have to take a public vote. So if the unit can force a public vote, this thing's dead. But I think that's a long way from happening. Bill, really good of you to join us today. Thanks so much, man. Thanks, Bill. All right, go Expos. There you go. (laughs) Gave you a chance. Thanks, man. That's Bill Shaken, national baseball writer with the LA Times. That's right. It's actually not a, a, that's my bad. It's not a court challenge. You're trying to get it placed on the the ballot and give the the folks uh, in Nevada a chance to vote in public funding, which uh, baseball, I mean, you don't want, you don't want public funding to go to a vote because it's awfully hard. It's awfully hard to sell it. That's interesting hearing him talk about Hearing Bill talk about Shohei Otani, uh, Shohei Otani, as good as he is, I was just looking at his numbers, and yeah, he he could win the triple crown. <laughs> yeah. That is, he's getting better as a hitter. Yeah, yes, I well, I think he he learns is learning how to ambush. He's learning how to set pitchers up, which is when you have a dude with talent the way he does. And I think a lot of that is he's doing it because he knows how to do it on the pitching side. I was going to ask you, how much of that do you think is oh, him, no him no. being able to no. it's al- see it's almost, hitting through a pitcher's it's eye? It's almost like how would I pitch myself? Right. Because uh-huh. I do it. Like I'm not actually pitching to a dude that can hit like me, but there's similar guys that can hit the ball as far as he can, hit it in the same quadrants. Be you know, great if you asked him. Way. How would you? How would Tremendous. you pitch to yourself? Oh, it'd be great. Wouldn't that be, your, be great? How would, you pitch, how would you get yourself First out? First and bad, you'd chuck it to him in the ribs. That, that's what I'd do. Make him uncomfortable. Make him not want to stand in the batter's box. It probably wouldn't work. He doesn't strike me as the type of guy that gets flustered by that. It wouldn't. He might overswing, might chase, trying to hit the ball and, to the moon. And you know, the other thing you got to remember too is he might be on the mound at some well, point. He sure may the be day, the day you did it. He wasn't. That's <laughs> I know. Well, that's, you'd that's also make sure. Okay. But make sure you're not on playing the next you gotta, day. You'd, you'd have to try and make him uncomfortable. Yeah. Like you just can't let him stand up there and do the, he's a big dude. Most big dudes don't like the ball close to him 
But if you've noticed, he's starting to clear the hips and hit the ball to left center on the ball that's in, right? Most lefties that are big don't like the ball in. They don't like the ball up. That's the big adjustment you're starting to see him do is he gets it. First of all, he swings very simple. Mm-hmm. It's repeatable. He can do it over and over again. That's why he has plate coverage with the barrel so so good the way he does is is because his lower half is real simple. He doesn't do a whole lot, right? He's got the little stride separation, and it's down and through, right? He's, he's like he's almost chopping wood. But I think be, the big adjustment is is the ball in and up. Sooner or later, you got to hit it. For him to be able to clear the lower half the way he does and let the barrel drag and be able to hit that thing to left center as far as he does, when he's doing that, you walk him. Put four fingers up. You hope Mike Trout's not hitting behind him. Take your chances with dudes other than him. That, that's sort of the way that's going to look, right, is go into town, you don't let him beat you. Or you make him move his feet. There ain't a lot of pitchers got the nerve to do it. And ain't a lot of catchers that have the nerve to stop him from going out there. I have no idea what kind of personality he's got, mm-hmm. but he's a big dude. Like, you got you to gotta be comfortable if you go in there and you hit him, the consequences. So, yeah, it's fun. It, it's fun to watch him evolve into what he's evolved into. But I do think there is something to, if I'm on the mound, I'm pitching to myself. How would I get myself out? And as a hitter, how would I adjust to that to keep him from doing that? I think he's done it. Yeah, we're just looking up on uh, he's first in slugging percentage, third in runs scored, first in home runs Who's in Major second? League Baseball. Luis Robert, we're just looking at the MLB network, and Mr. Barker here is starting to fan the flames. Luis Robert would look good I in this lineup. I don't know how you get him, though. How you getting him? He would look good in this Hey, he plays center. Who ain't, who ain't going to be here next year? He like, could DH for me right now. I mean, I okay. I'll That's make what it I, work. I'll make it work. He could hit I'll second. He could hit cleanup. Like, uh, he's not very good with runners in scoring position. His numbers will tell you that. He hits homers, though. He, he gets on base. He could hit second. You can move that dude that's hitting second to cleanup. And now you don't have to see Brandon Belt hitting in the top four or five, which doesn't make a ton of sense consistently. So, but my question would be, I mean, it's wishful thinking. What do, what do you... What do you get? What what could you give up? I mean, he's twenty five. He's got a like a five year, fifty million dollar deal. I think that's right. I wrote that down. I think he's got a couple years left on that. So it's going to cost you. Do you have anything to get it? I mean, I, I mean, I mean, everybody thinks differently about your minor league system than than every organization would give you a different opinion. I would just going on athleticism. Are they oozing? You know, you close the door and it's just oozing out the edges. You know, underneath the door, there's so much. There's not. See the thing, and the thing this is, is not the thing is, if you're the White Sox, this is where it gets complicated because of their owner. I, I don't know if you're the White Sox if you're ever going to be in a teardown rebuild situation. Like well, I, giving that up is I, not I would really hang, a teardown. No, I would I would hang on to that dude. I mean, he's a really good player. Really good players. I, I would got, hang on to that. I mean, he's dude. a five tool dude. He's an exciting guy. He's a five-tool guy. Yeah. He'd be around better outfielders. He'd run better routes. Yeah. He'd hit the cutoff guy more. He'd be more intelligent. Like, I mean, he's got dudes around him in the outfielder. Just, it's like, what's happening? Like, I mean, oh, you got, 
You walk away going, you got no answers for what how it looks. We've seen it. Yeah. Keaton Wynn starting tonight for the Giants. He uh, has been a long reliever. Through four innings of relief in his debut, became the third major leaguer to pitch as many innings and earn the save in his debut since saves became an official stat in 69. Bob Stanley and Zach Thompson were the other guys. One of the things we really haven't talked about with the Giants that finds it, remar- finds it remarkable, I mean, they've been using... They've been using an opener and bulk guy they a couple of times a series. I mean, they they because of injuries. They really have been they really have been piecing it together. What do you think the Jays' approach should be against? Should be against. I'm this looking dude? right down the middle. That sounds simple. People gonna roll their eyes. You know, it's 2023. It's analytical. Yeah. Well, how that what? How dare you? You just remember Oakland? How hard Vladdy hit the baseball on balls right down the middle. Why change that? Yeah, this dude's gonna throw you one down the middle, but you gotta let him. I mean, it sounds simple. But if you got simple approaches one through nine because you have a bunch of talent one through nine, most of the time you're going to have competitive at bats and dudes that have talent with competitive at bats added to it are going to have success and you're going to win a lot of baseball games. That's why a lot of the times when you see their approaches, it really makes you want to pull your head off and punt it because <laughs> you just don't understand. You don't. There's yeah. a ton of talent on this. It's ridiculous. Did you like the talent? Last night, we talked about this. Last night, uh, they got the five-run inning, four doubles in the first yeah, inning. And it was like over. Yeah, less <laughs> less than 100 miles an hour in the doubles. I mean, it's not like they were hammering the hell out of, out, uh, out of the ball. That's why you don't pay any attention to that. Um, did you like the approach in that first inning last night? Absolutely. Now, like the Brandon Belt changeup that he got after the elevated yeah. sinker, that's a terrible pitch. Like the 3-1 changeup to Danny Jansen, that's a terrible pitch. But that's a really good pitcher on the mound who's searching for his best pitch mm-hmm. and is trying to force outs. I got to get him somehow. going to try and get out of here, limit the damage. If I got to do it with every single pitch I got, give the Jays credit. They When they got a good pitch to hit, they didn't miss it. Try that you know, more than the first inning. Yeah, George Springer. Sometimes I think it's easier said than done, though. No, but George Springer got it going last night with that seven-pitch at bat and the double. Uh, There's been a little more more life there with George Springer. I think he's just like everybody else. Because he stands straight up and down, his eyes are really far away from the strike zone. He has to swing at really good pitches. And his issue is he's a guesser. And this year and last year, because he's a guesser and he does it a lot, when he chases because he's looking for that pitch, he puts it in play. Mm-hmm. And when he puts it in play, the rest of the time he's out. So for me, just get it on the plate. If he gets it on the plate because his name is George Springer, uh, he'll have those good at-bats, get on base. Hopefully Bo drives him in. That is it for us today. The first pitch is just minutes away. The Giants and the Jays right here on Sportsnet 590, the fan and Sportsnet. The Jays looking to win this series. We've got the Boston Red Sox coming in for three games over the Canada Day weekend. Be nice to sweep. Well, I mean, they need to. It's time. You could pretty much stick a fork in the Red Sox at the Jays sweep. Uh, Yeah. You can pretty much stick a fork. They'd be sellers, is your point. They'd be calling up prospects. Yeah. You could pretty much stick a fork in in, uh, the Red Sox if that happens. Think it'll happen? (laughs) I don't know. Rios and Kikuchi going. Uh, Mr. Barker, Mr. Barker and myself will be doing Blue Jays right. talk tonight immediately following the game. We'll be back to more from 5 to 7 Eastern on Sportsnet 590 The Fan, Sportsnet 360 and Sportsnet. If you're listening via podcast, leave us a five-star review. Yeah, yeah. And you have yourself a five-star Absolutely. evening. Oh, see what you did. <laughs>